This episode of The Hour on the Renewal Ministries Podcast Network is brought to you by Renewal Ministries. A lot going on in the ministry right now. The best way to find out what we're doing and why is go to renewalministries.net. You can sign up for the final evening of the Fulfillment of All Desire Advent Mission, the fourth Sunday in Advent coming up in a few days. I'm taping this on Monday, December 14th, so that's about a week away from when we'll be doing the final evening. Literally thousands of people have tuned in, either live or on the YouTube channel. Speaking of the YouTube channel, we are adding thousands of subscribers right now. Over the last few months, we've added close to 30,000 new subscribers to our YouTube channel. The Lord is really blessing the messages. Weekly uh, content from Dr. Ralph Martin, Peter Herbeck, and others. Just a great opportunity to hear the truth in a time of uncertainty, in a time when finding the truth is at a premium. All right, today's episode of the hour is a little different. Uh, No guest this time. It's a first for the hour. And I felt strongly, not because we couldn't find a guest, but I just had a burning message on my heart that I wanted to share. And uh, I'm the host. So you know what? I made the decision to just share what the Lord was teaching me uh, this Advent. In the lead up to Christmas, uh, it should be a time when we are kind of checking our hearts and spending a little bit more time with Jesus and learning from him. And I've been trying to do that. And I've kind of dove back into a book I read about a year ago called The Way of the Heart by Henry Nouwen, The Spirituality of the Desert Fathers and Mothers. And it's just rocking me again. And so I just want to focus on one particular element of it, solitude. So coming up in a minute is just some thoughts I have about Advent, some thoughts I have about the book, some thoughts I have about solitude and what uh, Henry Nouwen shares with us in this really short but important work. So different type of hour, but I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, yeah, if you don't hear me beforehand, finish Advent strong so we can have a Merry Christmas, everybody. So I'm coming up next, talking about solitude, but first... My friend, Connor Flanagan. All right, so as I mentioned in the intro, uh, the next little section is going to be taken directly from a book that I read with Peter Herbeck and Joy McCoy, gosh, probably about a year ago called The Way of the Heart by Henry Nouwen, The Spirituality of the Desert Fathers and Mothers. It's it's not a long book. I mean, there's only, I don't know, 80, 90 some pages in it. And I have to say, it, it has provided a tremendous amount of wisdom and insight, especially for anyone who consider themselves like a missionary in the vineyard, anyone who's trying to live as a disciple with some sort of outward focus, with the gospel on their lips, with trying to live a life and preach a word that helps lead people to Jesus. And and I'm not saying just in a formal way, I'm saying of any range, whether you're a full-time lawyer and you're just trying to be a good person and say the name of Jesus when it makes sense and when you can, or whether you're a um, stay-at-home dad or stay-at-home mom or wherever you're at with the Lord. If you're trying to be a disciple and be a missionary, I highly, highly recommend this book, The Way of the Heart, The Spirituality of the Desert Fathers and Mothers. The reason being is, he does this very short but deep dive into the life of these desert fathers and mothers and the incredible witness they provide as this radical decision to flee the world, 
to literally go out into the desert seeking solitude, immersing themselves into silence so as to have real prayer and communion with the Lord and a certain death. So these desert fathers and mothers emerge right as Christianity becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. So all of a sudden, traditional martyrdom is no longer an option. They can't be killed for the faith. And so in an effort to um, reject and avoid the temptations and the traps of the world with which they find themselves, they are led by the Spirit into a, a place of literal isolation. This is not like a figurative, oh, I'm off into the desert. This is like, no, I actually go off into a cave somewhere and devote my life to work, silence, solitude, and and prayer. And I do just enough to keep myself alive, but every other waking moment is given over to connection with God and a freedom from sin and a purification. The Maybe the grandfather of this whole movement was St. Anthony. And he, he went off into the desert for 20 years. He was alone. And then the Lord started by the ones and the twos and then the tens and then the hundreds. People started to hear about his story and try to seek him out because it was just like this holy man in the desert. And eventually the Lord actually led him back into society to be a, this beacon of hope and truth and witness for, for everyone around him. To the point that people would literally reported that he kind of like glowed. There was, a, there was an aura of holiness that just emanated off of him where he didn't even need to speak and people just knew he was holy. And, I mean, just right out of the shoot, the, the, the witness of a guy just saying no to the world to the point of saying, I'm going to go live in a cave for 20 years. You know, I think we get excited when we don't look at our phone for like two hours like looking for a cookie or something when it's like, oh yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up I didn't check my email for half of Sunday. Here's a guy who was like, no, I am the temptations of the world and the what the world represents, I need to flee it. And I'm gonna stay out in that desert for as long as God wants me there. For as long as that transformation is necessary. And there's all the sorts of stories of healings and him battling demons and I mean just an incredible life. But Henry now and then pulls out, okay, so what do, what do we see in their life that makes them fruitful in mission and how does that apply to the current moment? And he just so accurately points out that the, the similarities between what these desert fathers and mothers were facing in the, com- in the world is a lot like what we're facing. You know, most of us who are listening to this are not going to experience, at least in the near term, any sort of physical martyrdom. But we are faced with in a, just a deluge of noise, of temptation, of perspective, of words and scandal and um, entertainment and distraction and anxiety. I mean, just the sheer amount of data that we are exposed to every single waking moment. Literally, for some of us, from the moment we wake up, you know, you roll over, check your email, and it's just, bam, just, just this wave of information. And it's in that reality that we find ourselves and we say, like, what is the solution? What can we do to actually step out of that noise and encounter God? 
How can we actually be still and know that he is God? What does it take to encounter Jesus in a way that transforms us, that kind of raises us up out of the muck, out of the noise, out of that cloud of distraction into a a new purity, a new connection, a new freedom, and a new fruitfulness then in mission? So what I want to just first focus on is Hen, uh, and Nouwen's emphasis on solitude. So he, he basically says that the process of this, what we see in the Desert Fathers, is this intentional solitude combined with this um, determined silence that leads to authentic prayer, which then transforms us. But I just want to focus on solitude in this. Solitude, he says, is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. I mean, if you think about it, he he makes the point that even Jesus entered into this furnace before he began his earthly ministry in, you know, properly. That 40 days in the desert, there he was to be tempted and, and, you know, and to receive at the end the, the, the grace and the power that, not that Jesus in some ways, needed that, right? I mean, he was fully man and fully God. But he he bears witness, as we as his disciples are called to imitate Christ, to become Jesus on the earth. It only stands to reason that he would model for us what it looks like to remove himself from the world, to experience temptation, and then to overcome it. So solitude is the furnace of transformation. Then he talks about a few different saints who who entered into the solitude. And he said, for them, solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, it is a place of conversion. The place where the old self dies and the new self is born. The place where the emergence of the new man and the new woman occurs. St. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We need to have our hearts, our stony hearts, replaced with hearts of flesh. We need to die with Christ so that we might be raised with Christ. And what Nowen is pointing out is that in solitude, in a intentional removal from the world, for whatever amount of time, whether that's 15 minutes every day, whether that's a 10-day silent retreat, whatever it is, to practice, to get in the habit of stepping out of the world to find God and to allow the old man and the old woman to be put to death by the removal of all the constraints, all the structures, all the support systems that we think are necessary to uphold ourselves. Because it's in solitude that the true us meets the true God. We, we stand naked before the king. And we can do that without shame because of, because of his love, because of his mercy, because of his protection, because that he'll never abuse us, he'll never manipulate us. But without being able to strip ourselves of everything that would distract, without being able to strip ourselves of everything that we think is us, we actually won't really know ourselves and therefore won't really know the Lord. 
and this is a, you know, this is a, a battle of perseverance. This is a, this is an effort of consistency. This is not just a one-time thing. This is not just a one-off thing. Oh yeah, I did that solitude thing and now I can go about my life. No, this is a persevering, I'm going to do this so that I can meet our Lord. This is what Nalan says. We enter into silence, first of all, to meet our Lord and to be with him and him alone. Our primary task in solitude, therefore, is not to pay undue attention to the many faces which assail us, but to keep the eyes of our mind and heart on him who is our divine Savior. Only in the context of grace can we face our sin. Only in the place of healing do we dare show our wounds. Only with a single-minded attention to Christ can we give up our clinging fears and face our own true nature. As we come to realize that it is not we who live, but Christ who lives in us, that he is our true self, we can slowly let our compulsions melt away and begin to experience the freedom of the children of God. So he says, what does this all mean for us in our daily life? Even when we are not called to the monastic life or do not have the physical constitution to survive the rigors of the desert, we are still responsible for our own solitude. He said, precisely because our secular milieu offers us so few spiritual disciplines, we have to develop our own. He says, we have to fashion our own desert where we can withdraw every day, shake off our compulsions, and dwell in the gentle healing presence of our Lord. And then this line just rocked me when I read this. So hear me on this one. Without such a desert, we will lose our own soul while preaching the gospel to others. So what happens in solitude? We encounter the Lord. We are truly known and experience the freedom that comes from being truly known. And then he says, that knowing that being under the gaze of, of Jesus, that loving gaze of Jesus, we actually develop the capacity for genuine compassion, which he then says is the foundation of building the kingdom. It's the foundation of being able to step out into the world and love people and draw them into the Father's heart. He says this, It is in solitude that this compassionate solidarity grows. In solitude, we realize that nothing human is alien to us, that the roots of all conflict, war, injustice, cruelty, hatred, jealousy, and envy are deeply anchored in our own heart. In solitude, our heart of stone can be turned into a heart of flesh, a rebellious heart into a contrite heart, and a closed heart into a heart that can be open itself to all suffering people and a gesture of solidarity. If you would ask the Desert Fathers why solitude gives birth to compassion, they would say, because it makes us die to our neighbor. As I've been thinking about this, this is, while there are a lot of things that are contributing to the world that we live in and a lot of reasons why we see the effects of sin in our culture and in our world and our government, wars, famine, abuse, drugs, the, um, the escalating uh, rate of deaths due to like a loss of hope, despair, deaths of despair. I mean, the, the numbers are, I just saw some stats the other day. It was just incredibly shocking how many people right now are um, 
committing suicide and are just without hope. Whether that be because of the pandemic or because of the loss of a job or whatever, there's just this unbelievable increase of hopelessness. And then when you combine that with the church's impotence often in reaching people, in loving people, and walking with people, and actually introducing them to the great healer, to the good shepherd, to a loving father who can heal them, who can walk with them, who can set them free, who gives them a purpose for their life, a new destiny. When you consider that that isn't happening, even though the need is exploding, or it isn't happening nearly enough, and we've, on this that pod, we've talked about why isn't it happening? Why isn't it happening at diocese? Why isn't it happening in parishes? Like we're analyzing this over and over again. And as I read this, I thought one of the major reasons this isn't happening, one of the major reasons we're not seeing fruitfulness in mission is because not enough Christians, not enough disciples are truly compassionate. And the reason we're not truly compassionate is because we're not alone with God every day. We have created a structure where because we don't struggle with certain things or because we're not them, we actually have allowed ourselves to distance ourselves from the very real experience of other human beings, other human beings that have a different experience than us, but we can look and we can judge and we can free ourselves from the guilt or the obligation to reach out and care for them because we say, well, I'm not, I'm not that, or that they're too far gone, or how can, how could they possibly struggle with that? I, I mean, that's, that's a level of evil. That's a, a depth of depravity that I can't even imagine. And so there's nothing I can do about it because that's not what I've experienced. That's not what I struggle with. And, and I have no experience or, um, you know, qualifications for entering into some sort of loving relationship with that person. And what Nowen is saying is when you truly encounter God in solitude, you realize and you start to plumb the depths of your own heart and you realize how deep temptation and sin, <laughs> the roots of those things are, are, are in you, are in me. You, you, you come to the place and you go, how could I possibly judge anyone else? In the sense of, we can judge action, right? We, we can absolutely say that that's a, that's a good action and that's a bad action. But we can't judge hearts and we, and we ultimately are not the ultimate judge of their destiny. But what we can come to a place to is saying, I, I long the good for you. I have an, a genuine compassion for your well-being and your, your healing and your being brought out of darkness to light, out of death to life. Because there is nothing in you that isn't in me. That the fallen condition of mankind is a universal problem. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we all need our Savior. And we all have tremendous capacity for good. And we all have tremendous capacity for evil. And that understanding comes from the humility of standing, like I already said, naked before the Lord, fully exposed before the Lord, and allowing him to reveal our hearts to us. It's one of my favorite things about St. Peter is, you know, after denying the Lord three times, he had to carry that with him in a good way for the rest of his life. 
he was forgiven. He even probably was was healed of the kind of the ramifications of that betrayal. But everywhere he went, no matter who he encountered, no matter what they had done, he knew in the back of his head, it's like, well, yeah, okay, you, you may have done that, but you didn't deny Jesus three times. I did that. You know, there's this scene, I can't remember if it's in the this old movie, The Rope or The Spear. It's one of those movies that my parents made me watch growing up that at the time I was like, yeah, movie, movie night. And then I came home with that and I was like, oh, really? Come on. But there's this really poignant scene where St. Peter comes into a, a village and the elder, the leader of the village is, is just singing his praises. This is Peter, you know, he's the one who stood by Jesus. And Peter has to cut him off and one go, and go, thank you, brother. But, and then he has to tell the actual story of how it went down, how he denied the Lord. And that produces just such a humility and compassion for others because you just, we just know, we just have to come to a knowledge of like, yes, Jesus has done a great work in me and I am forever changed, but I, I, I never lose sight of what I'm capable of and what I need to and why I need to just fiercely hold on to the cross every day so as to be able to continue to walk in his goodness and in his grace and in his love. And so that genuine compassion, love for the other, compassion, you know, Latin being to suffer with, so we can weep with those who weep, we can mourn with those who mourn, and we can actually reach out a hand of healing to those who need it. Pope Francis has this incredible line in Evangelii Gaudium, section 24, where he says this, an evangelizing community gets involved in people's daily lives. He says it bridges distances is willing to abase itself if necessary. I don't even fully know what he means by that, but it sounds pretty intense. And then he says, is willing to reach out and touch the suffering flesh of Christ in others. You know, chances are wherever you're listening, you're not going to meet many people with leprosy. But back in the day, if you met somebody with leprosy and you reached out and touched the leprosy, what would happen? You would get leprosy. Well, we don't run that risk, but we are going to run into people who are scared, alone, abused, anxious, depressed, suffering, deep wounding, that when we encounter that, are we? do we have the compassion to suffer with, to reach out and, and enter into that muck, not to stay in it, but to help lead them out of it? Do we have the compassion for that? Or do we back away and say, you know what, it's not worth it. It's going to ruin my weekend. One of my favorite definitions of courage is, it's from Joseph Pieper. He says, it's, Courage is the willingness to sustain a wound for a noble cause. Let me say that again. Courage is the willingness to sustain a wound for a noble cause. What is more noble, what is more worth being wounded for than the salvation and the healing of our generation and our friends and our family? The question is, do we have the compassion and do we have the courage? And the only way we will have the compassion and the courage is if, if we enter into an intentional solitude with Jesus where we make conscious decisions to back away from the noise of the world each day at some point for some length of time and be quiet and be still that and know that he is God and let him do work in us. Solitude. There's maybe no better time to think about solitude than in this lead up to Christmas. When the whole world, the whole all of nature just waits with eager longing for the coming of the king and we're waiting 
and we're waiting and we're still and we're quiet. And then the Lord comes and we celebrate and everything is different. So my challenge to you is do not let the rest of Advent pass without making a firm decision to be alone with Jesus every day. And then let's see what happens. All right. So that's the hour for this this week. Like I said, a little different, but I just had this message burning on my heart. And uh, we'll be back soon. I've got a couple great interviews lined up. Preview of coming attractions. We uh, got a couple doozies. I promise they're they're really they're very fiery, and we're going to keep doing this because the Lord is uh, speaking, and it's our job to listen and to deliver it. Would love to hear what you think about this episode and any other episode. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast channel you listen to. Give us a review. It helps uh, get the word out. And you know, don't be afraid to post it on Instagram or social media or something because you know the more that we can share this, the better. Um, We're so blessed by those who are listening and already, but you know, it's a podcast, so it's designed to be listened to. So let's get the word out. All right, I'm Pete Burak. Until next time, this is the hour. God bless.